0: Thank you for downloading the Beacon Church podcast. We hope that you enjoy today's message and that you find that God speaks to you through it. (laughs) So yeah, I'm Hannah. This moves. This really moves. Um, It's (laughs) alright. It's alright, does not really matter. I won't touch it. Um, and I guess if you've come, come in this summer, we're doing a um, series on the Reformation. Um, Just keep going. Yeah. So, um, the, um, yeah, the Reformation. So, um, <laughs> that's what we're doing. <laughs> and um, basically, the Reformation um, came about in the time of Middle Ages, so a long time ago. And... Essentially, it was a time when um, the church had um, moved away from a lot of the kind of basic truths that it believed. So um, if you've been here, you've been hearing about indulgences. That's where people are paying money um, to become right with God. um, Or um, a lot of um, kind of sacraments and kind of religious activities and their own efforts to become uh, right with God, and um, the reformists are these people who are bringing um, coming back to what the truth of what we actually um, believe and um, yeah, I guess I just touched on there really what um, we 're doing this series for is because actually to know what we believe and then actually what does it look like for us to to live that out and this is the question for all of us, whatever time you live, it was relevant for them and for us to now, what does it look like for us to actually live out these truths? Um, in this day and age and actually none of us are immune to kind of moving slightly away from them and just a really silly example but you know as I'm preaching first time today I was a little bit nervous and I thought um, I had actually no reason to bring my bible and use it I mean usually electronic on my phone's fine but this morning I was like I'll bring my bible you know in in hard copy you know there's a bit more power and actually um, you know just a really silly thing that actually we can um, put our trust in something of, of having it imprinted and not electronic. Um, so anyway, um, as you can see, I'm looking at, um, well, um, faith alone. So that's one of the truths, um, that we are saved by grace alone through faith alone, or um, sola fide, and that's the first and last Latin I'm going to say because <laughs> I don't know anything else. And the passage that I'm looking at is Romans 1, verses 16 17, and that's, uh, for I am not ashamed of the gospel, for it is the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes. To the first Jew and also to the Greek. <laughs> for in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And so I'm going to just quickly pray. Um, yeah, Lord, we thank you so much for this message, for the message of the gospel of salvation for these truths, Lord, that are just as real and important to us now God, and yeah, we thank you, Father, that we just keep coming back to the gospel, Lord to go deeper in it and explore it more, Father, and yeah, I just pray that today um, you would uh, encourage us in it, in the hope of good news, that you would challenge us with ever we've kind of gone away a little bit, and um, that you would just change us and, um, yeah, be with us, Lord. Amen. Amen. Um, So, so far in this um, series, we've um, focused a lot on um, Martin Luther, uh, who was kind of the main player of the Reformation, and he, um, yeah, basically um, was a monk at that time, and brought forward, first of all, a lot of this. Um, But I'm focusing on Lady Jane Grey. Uh, And this is someone who came a little bit after, um, but is someone who... um, There she is. Um, Apparently, it's not actually her. But um, (laughs) they do not have a picture on her. And for a long time, they thought it was her. So thought I'd roll with it. Um, And um, she is someone who, basically, this truth of... Um, our salvation being in faith alone. Her life was completely and utterly um, impacted by this truth, really. And um, just to talk a bit about her, then she um, was the cousin of Edward the Sixth, who was the son of Henry the No Edward the son of Henry the Eighth. So Henry the Eighth had all the wives, and he was the one who started bring about the kind of legal change in the Reformation, um, separation of the church. Um, he died. It went to his son, who, again, was a reformist with these kind of ideas and wanted to come back to these truths. Um, he, as a teenager, um, was knew he was going to die, and he had his sister Mary and Elizabeth, who weren't... Mary's kind of very much Catholic, and Elizabeth I wasn't sure. So he... Um, <coughs> in his deathbed, basically passed um, a law to make Lady Grey queen. And that was by a lot of like her father and a lot of, kind of influence at the time, really. And so she becomes queen, and she has no idea. She's about 15, 16 at the time. Um, she um, had grown up, so I think at the age of nine, she started working in the royal courts or whatever. Um, her parents sent her there. She'd got married already for a couple of years and um, suddenly is made queen, and she's kind of known as the nine-day queen because after nine days, Mary comes in and says, look, I'm the rightful queen. And Lady Grace goes, yeah, actually, you are, and hands are over. Um, fair. And um, she's put in prison. And because um, she kind of deals so fairly with Mary, Mary doesn't want to kill her, but she's kind of a threat to the, um, the um, crown. Um, other kind of all the reformists in the area are kind of putting, getting behind her of saying, look, we want her to be queen, um, to kind of keep going these changes of the reformation um, in the nation. Um, and so Mary sends her kind of like personal priest, this guy called um, John Feckenham, and um, he goes to her and tries to persuade her, really, to renounce her faith. So um, she's saying it's only by your faith, not through works, that you're saved in these things, um, and he can't persuade her, really. And the only thing that she does agree to is this public debate. And essentially, there's this, like, 15-, 60-year-old girl with this really well-known priest. And she basically rinses him, and it's really embarrassing, and you should find it, because it's all written out, and it's really great. She's, like, extremely well-educated, really well thought through, and, you know, completely has the conviction of what she believes, and she's not moving from it, even though she knows that she's in prison, and basically, if she doesn't renounce it, she's going to die. And so she refuses um, to renounce it. And um, this guy, um, Fekenem, is so impressed by her that he asked to be with her when she's then going to be put to death. Um, and she then does um, be put to death for it. And just before she dies, um, she writes um, this. Uh, God, grant all your desires and accept my own hearty thanks for all your attention to me. Although, indeed, those attentions have tried me more than death can now terrify me. And she basically walks to her death, completely knowing what she's doing, given opportunities to renounce it, weighs out, and is basically in this complete acceptance of the situation and it's God just, um, you know, faithfully walks to her death as, as a martyr, really, at the age of 16 or 17. Um, and so what really struck me about her was this sense of that this is actually someone who's saying, look, it's not about your works, it's not about your efforts. Actually, God alone um, saves you. And, um, and yet she is someone that who, who so understands that, that she gives everything. She gives all her efforts. She gives her whole life to it. And it's like, oh, my goodness, what is this that when we believe that God alone does it, there's something that we want to then actually c- sacrifice everything we've got and follow him and just um, go for him. So, that's majoring game. So, looking at then, what does it mean to be um, saved by faith alone? And looking um, back at the passage we looked of, it's so it's the power of God for salvation to everyone, and later for in it the righteousness of God is revealed. And there, really, the righteousness of God. um, Paul's not talking about a attribute of God. He's not saying the holiness of God, the righteousness of God, as in um, a characteristic about him basically is explaining um, God's way of making us righteous and it's basically in contrast to our way that we make ourselves righteous. So he's saying that um, it's basically, yeah, God's way uh, which is through faith rather than our own way through works. And again, looking back to Martin Luther um, he, um, as we've heard if you've been here, he was a monk. He basically completely rejected secular life and um, focused on giving everything to God, um, living in a way that, um, as best as he possibly could, could, um, make him right with God. And yet he comes to the conclusion from that is that actually the best I could do, if I can give all of my life to pleasing God, and actually I'm so far from it. I'm so far from the perfection, the holiness of God that I can't do it. I can never do anything that's going to make me right with God. And, um, Basically, the the, the essence of that is it's not about us reaching a rock bottom in our life, um, but actually it's us knowing that, you know what, we could try our best, you know, our best possible efforts, and actually still we're looking at God, we're so far from his um, perfection and glory that we can never do it um, ourselves and um, basically the kind of equation I see of like the gospel it's basically so grace so that's what Pete was talking about last night grace alone and that's that unmerited favour that gift from God so that's like all God in grace plus faith and that's just basically our acceptance of our inaction so completely trusting in him uh, so again all God um, and that's just trusting him equals gospel gospel and it's just like, God, plus all God. And it's like, we just don't get in there at all. And if we do, the equation's gone wrong. <laughs> and again, um, not the best analogy, but I was thinking about it. Analogy, just thinking about um, the royal family, back in palace, you've got like their best possible servant who has like served them 30 years or more. Um, gets there early, stays late. Apprehends their needs you know before they do is like the most incredible servant to them, and yet the best performance or effort he could ever do is never going to make him um, a prince or a part of the royal family. Actually, that's something for the queen to bestow. There's nothing he can do um, or she could do um, to um, make themselves into that royal family. and actually, in stark contrast, you've got William and Harry, and they're born, and they're just born into that royal family. They are just princes. There's, there's nothing they did, and actually anything that they do doesn't change that. They're still fundamentally a prince because it's their um, connection, and it's not them who got it themselves. It had to be the queen. It has to be the royal family that gives it, and it's kind of that same thing that, you know what, it can't be, it doesn't come from us. Um, we can't get it out of ourselves, so um, that's kind of that picture of that, and uh, yeah, so it made me think a little bit about when I first knew this for myself, when I first kind of believed, and um, I grew up in a Christian family, um, going to church, and it was probably my kind of older, older child, early teen days, Um, I'm going to Stoneley, I'm going to New Day, and uh, experiencing, yeah, uh, still going, still going, (laughs) that's it. And um, I'm experiencing God for myself, um, I'm kind of, a lot of what I've heard about, I'm actually, yeah, realizing that he is real, wants a relationship with me and um, knowing it for myself and not just for my family and choosing to follow him uh, and so kind of going through that and committing myself to follow him and in, in that situation then I'm going to school um, I'm in Kent, I'm going to my local church that my parents went to, and at that sort of time, um, just as I was starting the youth group, actually the the youth leaders decided to stand down, and um, basically no one else in the church really could do it or wanted to do it, and so there's just a couple of us families um, who of kind of teenagers, and we just thought, well, why don't we just do it ourselves? Let's just... um, do it and so we um, start getting together and start running the youth group and we'd like uh, we'd have meetings, it was very formal I remember going around my friend's house and I arrived and she'd put like a jug of water and glasses and we had <laughs> notepads and a pen as we were to like schedule the next um, semester or whatever and um, yeah we'd pick people to come and like talk to us and stuff and also um, the church was based on an estate and it was very much into how to like outreach to the estate and um, at the time a lot of the kind of younger kids coming up to teenagers. Days. Um were just um, were from the estate and had to kind of come into the church, to the outreach. And so um, particularly me and Becky just started um, kind of outreaching to those people as we knew they were going to come to youth and just really trying to get them involved. And, you know, as we all know, the best evangelistic method is we watch a lot of dance films, guys. Uh, we just got them round, a lot of chatting tatum, um, step up. Um, it's, you know, it's powerful, powerful industry right there. Um, and in all honesty, it's because it's the, probably the only thing we had in common is our love for dance films. And so we're kind of doing all that. And and at school, um, there's a, an organisation who went and did Christian unions in schools but our school was very anti that so again we would just say, well why don't we just kind of run a Christian union and um, just start doing it and really at this time it's kind of the same time that at New Day I am here and you know, I'm obviously going to be a, a world history maker and I'm going to go on mission but I was experiencing it and knowing God and I just thought I just, I just wanted God to do it and it was literally not much more thought than that I wasn't trying to earn God's love I knew I couldn't do it um, and it was just a real want and a desire to see God move. And just, I, kn- I knew this. And I was, just, I was like, yeah, let's just do it and go for it. And um, I remember one time in our Christian unit, it was really small and nothing was really happening. And so we were like, let's just pray and fast for three days. And I just think back and I'm like, I have never prayed and fasted for three days since. I do not know if I could do that. Um, but as I think back, I'm actually really challenged by that kind of radical just unquestioned faith of, like, I'm, I know this, and I just want to see it happen, and I know it can't be me, so I'm seeking God and just seeing what I can do. And I don't know if it's anyone else, but actually, um, as I started like that, it did not stay the same from when I first became a Christian. I, I you know, grew up, and the world... Um, yeah, it was difficult to navigate, and just going into um, adulthood, things didn't change, stay the same, really. And um, I guess for me, that um, so I call that kind of my unquestioned faith it was just reaction, just doing it, um, kind of going into life. And faith, in one, to again, I'd say a bit more abstract. And so, um, in terms of faith in my life, actually, my life started to look a lot more probably like the peers around me. Um, And um, I would say at that time, this is not me talking about backsliding or anything. I, I still really, I loved God. I wanted to follow Him. Um, But it kind of, that that faith in my life came slightly disconnected from my day-to-day life. It was a slightly more abstract. And actually, um, in terms of my faith, it was kind of, you know, times, difficult times. When I had a really big decision to make, I'd really seek him and trust him. Or when something difficult happened, and I'd really kind of reach out to him and seek him then. And um, Or things like, at that time, it was all about what's my purpose, what's my calling? A lot more kind of abstract of, you know, God, you know, I'm going to be like a world changer and mission, actually. What career do you want me to do? Where do you want me in the world? And um, so I had this faith, but in in terms of how it looked in my day-to-day life, it was just that little bit more disconnected, a little bit, um, uh, yeah, separated. And actually, in terms of the gospel, that was like a one-time thing in my life, and it wasn't like a a day-to-day personal trust with God. And um, I guess um, with that, I... um, Was seeking that call, and for me, I felt like doing and going to do law and sort that. And um, I guess a bit of an example is that is something that Owen loves to mock me about is that at the time I I did, I went to I did my law degree and then I was doing my bar course exams, and he. suggested me to do this role at New Day and at the end of my bar course I'd done all my exams um but I was like no Owen I can't go to New Day do this because in the possibility that I have to do retakes I'm going to have to have that time to revise for it and it just logistically is just going to not work at all and thinking back at that I didn't even know my results and yet I'd got to a point where I was like oh if I failed I'm going to do this and that's how it's going to work out and um so again, I would talk about that and being about and going into law. I was like, oh, this is, you know, I, if God wants me to do this, he'll open up the doors and I'm saying things like that. And yet the way I look like and do in my life, that's all me and my efforts and how to make it happen. And um, in terms of that, I just again, it was, I could easily say things like, oh, God, like, I want to live my life for you. And I would give, at the end of the day, I would give it all to you. But it's, it's a little bit hypothetical, probably. It's a little bit kind of future um, future kind of orientated. And um, I love reading a bit of Bonhoeffer. He probably just creeps in here. And uh, a couple of... Uh, he's kind of talking about this in a sense, and is, he suggests a couple of these scenarios of um, actually when we hear commands of God, our response to them. And so um, he suggests this, that when we hear the commands so in the Bible, do not be anxious. Actually, sometimes our response to that can be Oh, well, of course, it's not wrong for us to be anxious. You know, we must work and provide for ourselves and our dependents. You know, if not, we'd be shirking our responsibilities. But all this time, um, we ought to be having an inward freeness from all that anxiety. Or, again, there's a similar one. um, First, seek the kingdom of God. And our response is, oh, of course we should have to seek all other things first, um, you know. Otherwise, how would we exist? What he really means is, you know, at the the final preparedness um, to stake all for the kingdom of God. Um, and again, I, I, what I say suggests is that actually that it was a little bit abstract for, of this kind of faith in God that was genuine, but just that little bit disconnected from my from my actual life and how I was living that out. Um, and again, what it kind of could be similar. It's actually that story of Adam, who is walking with God. He's made in the image of God, and yet actually he rejects that gift of grace and says, "Actually, there's something I can do here to become more like God." And actually, that that is then a rejection of God. That thinking of "I'm gonna," there's more, that I need to do here, um, is that rejection of God and saying, "Actually, I'm taking on my own efforts." So, what's what is the problem with this? Then it sounds. All right, maybe you not. And um, um, again, going back to um, the passage, um, what it says is that, um, so you've got, for in it the righteousness of God, so God makes us righteous, it only can be him, not us, is revealed from faith for faith, as it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And faith for faith can also be, in different translations, faith to faith. And what it is, is this picture of actually, it's not works to faith, works for faith, or faith. To works. You never get to the point where I'm initially saved by faith alone, and then as I mature as a Christian or as I get going, I then start to put of effort in. I then obviously need to contribute. Everything. Actually, what it's saying is our initial salvation is faith, and then our, um, he talks about sanctification, which is our, our journey of becoming more like Jesus, our doing his good works. Our, um, our lives as Christian, all the way into that, you know, it's faith. It's just like faith, faith, faith. And actually our lives are to be, our whole lives are to be this mirror um, or this kind of picture of the gospel. It's not just words. our whole lives is this expression of life by faith alone, in God alone, and, our, and our, just our journey and our lives of all that we do is by faith alone, and it's never um, to kind of move on from that. Um, and there's, again, this quote that I love um, that I think is on there, It's really, really long, actually, in all honesty, that's what it is, long. But I just think um, it's just wonderful. Um, you see, look at that, it's tiny writing, could have done over two slides. Um, but I'll read it out, and I don't know, I'll try and like, put some inf into it. Um, I live, says the believer, I live in the sight of God. Through his grace, I am acquitted before his judgment seat. I live in his loving kindness, his light and his love. I am wholly delivered from all my sins. There are no further unpaid debts, accounts against me in his debit book. The law makes no more demands of me, it pursues me no longer, neither does it condemn me. I am righteous before God, even as he is righteous. I am holy and perfect, even, even as my God is holy and my Father is perfect. The entire goodwill of God embraces me. It is the ground whereupon I stand, the roof beneath which I hide. All of the blessedness and peace of God raises and bears me aloft. It is the air I breathe and the nourishment on which I thrive. There is no more sin in me and I have ceased entirely to commit it. I have a good conscience and know that I'm walking in God's ways and doing his will. I know that my whole life is fashioned in accordance with that will, whether I stand or walk or sit or lie down, I'm awake or asleep." Every thought I speak and every deed I do, I do according to his will. Whosoever I be, at home or abroad, it is according to his gracious will. I am acceptable to him, whether I be at work or at rest. My guilt is forever wiped out, and it is impossible for me to incur fresh guilt, which could not be expedited. I am preserved by his grace and can sin no more. Um, Ye death cannot harm me, for I have eternal life like the angels of God. No longer will my God be wroth with me or rebuke me, for I am eternally redeemed from the wrath to come." The evil one can no longer sell me, neither can the world ensnare me anymore. Who can separate us from the love of God? If God be for us, who can be against us? And I think what just really amazes me about this quote is that this guy is not looking at the gospel of salvation as like a one-time event for his life. This is just a glorious like picture and reflection of how his life and the gospel is completely just intertwined and is living and breathing through his entire life. And... Um, the sense of, you know, any sort of calling and will is actually deeply rooted in his day-to-day life. And um, I think that's a bit of what what, what we're what we are called, as in, like, our, our calling to follow God is, is to do. And actually, there's a sense that when we read that, I don't know about you, but I, in my own efforts, can't do that. And actually, there's a sense that, again, God calls us not just a salvation which our best efforts we never can do actually the life that we are called to live that's not a specific person born, but that is following God with all our hearts and all our minds and all our souls actually it's by faith alone still and um and that is that is it really and it's it's Calling to do that. And again, okay, so it's, it's not that we're meant to have abstract faith. It's not that we get saved and then we do it all ourselves. But it's faith to faith. It's our whole lives to be by faith and to be a picture of this. Um, and so how on earth do we do that um, is the question we we're talking. And actually, um, again, going back to the passage, it gives us an indicator. And it's saying, okay, faith for faith. As it is written, the righteous shall live by faith. And again, Paul here is actually referring to a specific event back in the Old Testament, in um, Habakkuk 2.4, in fact. And um, this is um, a classic situation of the Old Testament where the Israelites are being invaded. And so um, they're crying out to God because um, there's these people that are coming and they're going to kill them and um, they're they're crying out to God to save them. And basically, God's response is that um, the righteous shall live by faith. And actually, Paul's pointing us back to these people who who their very life or death kind of mattered. It was, you know, if I'm alive tomorrow, that is by God. And it's a very um, kind of intense, personal real um, reliance on God. It's, it's completely connected to their life and who they are and what they're doing at the moment. It's um, not just any sort of abstract head belief or anything like that. Um, it's closely intertwined, that kind of absolute reliance and dependence on God. And so um, what I think we're talking about here is actually daily faith, a daily um, faith to live in that kind of reliance and um, trust in God. Um, and again, um, the kind of example people use that actually, um, again, Paul elsewhere talks about, um, you know, what? even the enemy or the devil or whatever believes in Jesus, even, even they fear Jesus, but they don't put their trust in Jesus. And there's actually something that kind of difference there. And again, you've got um, like Lady Jane, her father, who again was a reformist, but it was all about making her queen, or the, the kind of plans and purposes of how to continue the reformist ways. Um, and actually, in the end, when um, Jane refused to um, renounce the faith, he chose to renounce the faith to try and save his life, that he completely abandoned her and, and abandoned it all. And actually, the person who um, kind of had his ways of doing it um, he crumbled at the end. He he didn't stay to the faith. He renounced it. Whereas um, Jane walked this life of like it wasn't that she was called to be a martyr at the age of nine. She had no idea what her life was doing. She was completely in the hands of those around her. Um, this there was kind of a marriage arranged for her. She was put in the royal courts. She was in prison. She didn't know if she was going to live, be made queen again. And so she just had this, you know, she had just day to day. Lord, okay, I am trusting you. I am following you today. I will follow you and be you and that is and in and that ending of that was was the must and was for her to be one and um, to stay with the faith completely um and so um that's that kind of um that complete reliance and dependence and looking him and again I've been um thinking about this and it's um I was at New Day Ugh, I just can't stop my New Day yeah. And um, they had this couple called the Glovers talking. And um, they just had this amazing testimony of... um, Basically, they felt God called them to China and um, to do stuff there. And so their response was they had a young family. And um, they were kind of convinced of this call, so they... um, they got their kids to like choose two toys, and the rest they throwed away. And like they so trusted God and wanted to just, um, sh- you know, show them that they wanted to follow Him. And, and they also got all their mattresses, and they went up a hill and burnt them all as like this sign that they were like, "We trust you, God, and we're going to go." Um, and it is just insane. And actually, they've done—I mean, I don't really know the ins and outs of it—but they've done amazing stuff in China with kids there, and to the point where I think they changed, they influenced the change of the law around like children stuff, like nuts. And. Um, it just made me think: What if, actually, hearing that, what if I was so convinced of God's working in my life? What if my reaction was to God um, in in my finances, in my workplace, in my family, was so con- convinced of God and His work? Because ultimately, it's our, our our main call, the only calling that we'll ever be sure of. So I, I do feel called cool to go into law, but the. I'm not sure what that's going to look like, but I, the calling I'm convinced of is to follow Him, to serve the poor, to love my neighbours, to love the church, um, to pray for the sick and spread the gospel. And that's the only calling we're probably ever going to be sure of. And that's the one He makes clear with His disciples when He calls them. Um, and actually, if I was so convinced by that, um, or imagine if if we as a community were just so convinced like that, what would this church look like? What would Brixton community look like? Our work on our families? Um, because, again, what, what this is, is it's not us. Our best efforts aren't going to. We know that. That's the gospel. That is our lives. That actually, it's not going to be. It's only by the power of God. And as we've been worshipping this morning, you know, he is the God of the impossible. He does more than we can imagine or even think of. And actually, by putting that trust in him, by saying to you actually that is the only way and actually um us thinking that um we can try and do our best um it's just not um gonna get there and do that um so um again in the irony of me in terms of my journey so um I worked extremely hard in these exams and things like that and um Wanting to become barristers, kind of lawyer, and it's, the, the irony is in that when I was applying for pupillage, which is like the training to do this. Um, Obviously, I had on my CV the things that I'd worked really hard about, you know, grades, like every work experience going under the sun. And the irony is the things that got me the interviews, the things that opened the doors were things um, on my CV that I hadn't done out of my... They were just things that I'd been doing as part of the church or that I did um, on that year internship that I did with Beacon. And I just, just sit back and think, oh, my goodness. So it wasn't even... Those efforts that opened that door for me. it was these things that i had I was doing, no idea about what career I was going to do um, and just that sense of like, "Oh my goodness, actually to trust God is is to just fully in the day to day just say i 'm going to follow you with anything and everything in terms of loving and serving in these ways that actually you have called us to do, and actually those bigger things. My trust in you is saying I will trust in you and I'm just going to focus on loving the church and loving my neighbour and all these other things. Um, And yes, see by the power of God, um, he will do it and not our own efforts. Um, So um, yeah, basically that's um, a bit of my story and what I think Yeah, is really what um, it is about um, today in terms of the reformation, our faith. This is not a one-time thing, but our whole lives to be this picture of um, only by faith. And um, and so for us today, just for those, um, you know, if you're in that, if you're kind of thinking, actually, I'm a bit abstract, my faith's a little bit disconnected, it's, um, you know, actually to, to look back to God and just say, I trust you. And actually, it's not a... Um, Again, I'll, I'll give you my all, because that is that even our, is that our connected faith? But it's like today, God, today I give you today. And, and also for the rest of us, it's just so much hope because it's God who's going to do it. And actually, it's us who can't do it. Um, and so um, I don't know if um, we'll have another song or anything, but just today time now, just to have a little think about that and just, yeah, respond to that. I'm going to pray. Um, yeah, God, thank you so much that um, we don't have to live a gospel, or know a gospel that we have to look back to and just try and recreate. We don't have to go back to that um, unquestioned initial faith God, but actually you have called us to to mature Lord, to walk with you Lord and and that is to live a daily personal faith with you God and we're so grateful for that, we're so grateful that you want to use us, you want to use our lives, you want to change us to be more like you God and we thank you that only you can do it and that you do more than we can ask or imagine Father and Lord we just pray God, we just yeah want to give ourselves to you again that we say that we trust you Lord and um we want to follow you, God. And, I just, and we just pray, Lord, that you um, may be that God that we um, completely and utterly rely on, we, that we devote ourselves to you every every day, Lord, that any areas of our lives, Lord, that we're just thinking of right now, God, we give them to you, God, and we pray for your power in them, God, and our in efforts, Lord. Thank you, Lord. Amen. You have just listened to a Beacon Church recording.